He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in, the, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time I will, get, tell, you, I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the, of evil, of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect all of his kingdom, all causes of sin and evildoers, and they will th be thrown into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous ones will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. In Oregon, in or I'm sorry, in Seattle, Oregon blackberries grow all over the place, which I thought was... I thought it was wonderful. You can go for a walk and get filled up on them just walking around the neighborhood plucking blackberries off the bush. And the kids used to go out and behind the church and bring home a bucket of uh, blackberries because all along the, the alleyway there was Oregon blackberries growing crazy out there and we would just fill up a bucket with them and make cobbler and all kinds of stuff. I thought it was awesome when we got there. But people in Seattle hate it. They hate them. They rip them out. They burn them. They, they curse them. Uh, blackberries and scotch broom grows like crazy, and everyone hates it. <laughs> but I think it's quite pretty. In fact, if it were up to me, I'd cultivate blackberries and scotch broom in my yard and let that just grow like crazy. So, I, I, you know, one person's noxious weed is another person's beautiful blackberry bush and uh, one that, that brings joy to many. In our story today, Jesus tells a parable that compares a good plant with one that is not very good. And in this parable, it's a, it's a rare parable there where not only does Jesus tell the parable and then goes on to tell another story, but in Matthew, he, he offers us the, the, um, the meaning of the parable. In other words, the disciples come and tell us, they're confused, tell us what this means. And sure enough, Jesus does that, which I, it really bugs me uh, when we have the meaning spelled out because as a preacher, now I'm locked in, I'm boxed into this interpretation that Jesus gives us instead of my own, which, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't give you a lot of leeway. And, you know, he's pretty much killed the ending by telling you what it means. So what's left for me to do? 
But um, actually, most scholars, there's a, uh, there's a lot of debate about what parables really are about, right? For example, here's, here's one of the questions biblical scholars debate all the time is, is a parable, does it have one meaning or are there multiple meanings or is there actually some kind of meaning that Jesus has in mind when he tells the story? So there's a scholar named Dodd who suggested in the 50s that Jesus really didn't have any particular uh, meaning in mind or conclusion to the parable, but that the parables were really designed to get people talking about the kingdom of God. And so uh, it's suggested by a lot of scholars that, that the explanation that we have here of what the parable means was actually offered later on by the author of Matthew in order to address some issues going on in his own community right which i'm suggesting matthew's church obviously had some wheat some some weeds in the middle of their wheat field right uh, that matthew was trying to get rid of and 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 re realign so uh the matthew the author of matthew offers this explanation but mostly the parables are really designed it's not so much that you come to some conclusion this is Dodd's theory. Not that you have some kind of conclusion, but that it sparks the conversation. Uh, for example, and there's always some ridiculous element to the to the parable. For example, you would never leave 99 sheep to go find one. That's just silly. And so Jesus tells this ridiculous story, and everyone sits around talking about it, going. How ridiculous is that to go grab one sheep when 99 are left to, you know, on their own? That doesn't even make sense. All the, the other 99 will wander off. So anyway, you have two hours of conversation based on this one parable that may or may not yield some kind of insight. But the conversation that happened is a conversation about what is the kingdom of God like? And what insight can we gain about it from the teachings of Jesus, from the parables of Jesus. And here we have this story. It's ridiculous to think that a farmer would leave the weeds growing with the wheat. Any farmer will tell you that doesn't even make sense. That's just silly. The weeds will kill the wheat. That doesn't even make sense. So this parable doesn't make sense. Uh, it's, a you know, it's a bad analogy because it doesn't hold true in the world of wheat growing. <laughs> but it gets people talking about the kingdom of God. And that's really kind of, uh, kind of the, the point. But here we have the listener is offered an explanation of why bad people are left. You know, it answers a, an important question. Why are bad people left to prosper along with good people? And what are we supposed to do about it? And there is a promise. Leave things alone until God decides it is time and then God will sort it out. Now, there's two things I like about this parable and even the explanation that comes with it. First, I like that it makes clear that our job is not to tear out the weeds, right? Because that's a hard job. First of all, you have to identify who is a weed and who isn't a weed. And I can tell you right now, so often it seems like Christians love doing that, right? Oh, well, if I'm wheat, then they must be weed. Right? And, and they should be torn out. Who's a wheat? Who's a weed? Mostly I think we want to make clear that we ourselves are wheat, right? As, as long as I can, if I can find myself a weed to compare to, I look like pretty good wheat. 
in this parable. And what I love about this is that it makes clear that that is not our job. As followers of Christ, it is not our job to determine who is wheat and who is weed, who is a good Christian, who is a bad Christian, who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong, who's going to go to heaven, who's going to go to hell. Not our job. Whew! Relieve yourself of that. Stop bugging people uh, with uh, you know, your evaluations of what, uh, whether they're going to hell or not. Don't do that. It doesn't make the church look good, and, it, and your friends won't care for you either. So, uh, you know, relieve yourself of that particular job. It's not our job to tear the weeds down or pull them up by the roots or even to make sure everyone knows which are wheat and which aren't. Um, my job, our job as followers of Christ, is to grow and to become wheat. Full, ripe, glorious wheat. And to do it right alongside with the weeds. But it's not our concern what the weeds are doing. Our job is to be wheat. To let that germinate, that seed germinate and become full, ripe stocks for God to harvest. Amen? So feel, feel relieved at that. The other thing is this parable suggests to me, and this is, this is really kind of where I went with this, and and where I kind of deviate from where the Bible is going with this, actually, is that one person's weed may be Jesus' wheat. You know, we may look around with our eyes, with our worldly eyes, and with our own selfish eyes, and we may look around and we go, oh, we know who the weeds are. Oh, we know who the weeds are. But you know, Jesus may see, look at that and see something completely different. In other words, perhaps rather than tearing out the weeds and destroying them in the fire, our job is to turn weeds into something else that is valued and good. In Seattle, they love to tear those blackberry bushes out, but I think it's a shame to take those out. I wouldn't have my blackberry cobbler if not for those blackberry bushes. To me, the logic of not tearing out the people who are weeds in this story is that if they are gone... There is no hope of redemption for them. Once they're ripped out, they're gone. If they remain and grow with the wheat, there is hope that their righteousness, as the Scripture tells us today, might shine like the sun also. This is the kingdom of God where prostitutes become Jesus' most faithful followers. This is the kingdom of God where tax collectors leave their booths and follow Jesus. This is the kingdom of God where Roman soldiers declare, surely this is the Son of God as Jesus hangs on the cross. This is the kingdom of God where even the most invasious, invasive and noxious weed can be tamed into grains of paradise. Amen? Amen? I'm going to do like Jane. We, I didn't hear you. Amen? <laughs> Look at Saul. Look at Saul who persecuted the church, who held the coats, who held everyone's cloak while they stoned the apostle Stephen to death. Let me hold your coat so you can get a good wind-up on it. 
He held their cloaks and watched him die. And then he went to the powers that be and said, give me authority to arrest people who are causing trouble in the synagogues by talking about this false Messiah, Jesus Christ. Look at Saul. If ever there was a weed, it was Saul. Who was a Hebrew among Hebrews. A, 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 one who studied and knew the word and had a passion and was zealous for God and then on the road to Damascus was blinded by Christ and a voice from heaven said why do you persecute me Saul and he was put into the hands of Ananias a disciple of Christ who fed him and nursed him took care of him and he became Paul through this experience. He became Paul, who was, is the greatest evangelist the church has ever known. You and I would not be here if not for Paul. Most of the New Testament is written by Paul or attributed to Paul. Paul, who on his way to Damascus to persecute the church, became one of its most fervent, brightest, most wonderful stalks of wheat. What a loss it would be had he been cut short because he was a weed. Imagine if folks in Seattle got rid of blackberries. A fond memory of my family would be lost. Imagine if we could get rid of all those dandelions, those little yellow dandelions, all those cute yellow bouquets that children make for their mommies would be gone. Remember that, moms? When the kids would come in with a bundle of nasty dandelions and <laughs> hand it to you so proud. Look, I picked your flowers for mom. So cute. Imagine the loss when they carefully would pick up one of those budding, uh, those fluffy dandelions and blew into it and let all the seeds fly out into the wind. What a loss that would be if we could finally get rid of all those awful dandelions just taking over our yard. The reality is, what is wheat and what is weed is often a matter of perspective. And this parable makes clear that our perspective is not tuned to the question, but rather this is God's domain. Our job is to be wheat, grow, and to be nurtured into wheat, and to cultivate the wheat that is in everyone else. Because the reality is this. There's a little weed in all of us. I'm speaking metaphorically. <laughs> I, hope you, I hope you understand that. <laughs> A little bit of that in all of us. And thank God someone doesn't come along and cut us down and throw us into the fiery furnace where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. But God sees the wheat in you and me and nurtures it and cultivates it and waters it and lets it grow. And it's really our job to try and see that in others as well. To see that seed of hope, that seed, that spark of God that is hidden 
usually behind some pain and some hurt, some agony that has made us who we are. And it's our job to try and leave space for that to grow and cultivate and, and become sweet once again. Let us pray. Great and loving God, we long to be Your wheat ripe for the harvest so that we might shine like the sun. And it's our prayer that as we seek to do this, we would take as many with us as we can. Help us to see the good, the wheat within others that we might help to cultivate that as well. We ask all of this in the powerful name of Christ. Amen.